And that was something that happened to me in the beginning. Like a lot of people will feel like they are entitled to give you advice because they've collected a work for years, which is fine. Usually it comes from a good place. Sometimes it comes from a selfish place because they want to see their bags pump. Um, but you have to remember that you are the decision maker and you have to do what feels right for you. And nine times out of 10, it's going to work out fine because you know yourself and your work best. Welcome to the one-to-one. My guest for this session is Amber Vittoria, an artist and poet. Amber's work is a beautiful convergence of these two mediums. Her abstract forms are elegant and colorful, nearly always coupled with poetic descriptions. Through her body of work, Amber explores womanhood in all of its shades. She's making waves in Web3 and outside Web3, has been for a while. I thoroughly enjoyed our conversation. Thanks for being here, everyone. Let's go. Yeah, great. yeah, just a bunch of things that Amber has been up to. Everything from you know book publishing to Lowe's collabs, Samsung and Lowe's collabs announced today, and an edition drop. Yeah, so yeah, lots Amazing. of fun stuff. Well, I just hit the record button on my end. I'm also recording this at home because I'll put this up as a podcast, the one to one podcast. And nice. um, yeah, thanks so much for doing this in spaces. You just- <laughs> Oh, I prefer spaces. I was like, okay. my um, computer is like close to dying. And I was like, oh, well, I have to go get a charger. And then you're like, oh, I'm going to set up the room. I was like, even better. <laughs> nice. Nice. So my phone is fully charged. I also am just not, I haven't gotten on the video podcast game yet. I know there's this whole like, put it in YouTube, cross post as a podcast. And I was like, I don't really want to be on camera. So yet. <laughs> I feel you. <laughs> Um, but yeah, thanks for, thanks for doing this live. That's half the fun for me, just giving us a a platform and space for people to jump in and hear from you directly. And then at the end we do Q and A if that's cool. Um, I like to open up the stage. Cool. Awesome. So yeah, I'll, uh, I'll kick things off. Welcome everybody. This is the one-to-one I'm M Branson. I host these now about monthly. I used to do them more often. I've been experimenting with time, but monthly seems, seems to be good. And uh, my guest today is Amber Vittoria. I'm so excited to have you with me. And um, yeah, the focus of this podcast too, just to bring it back to why I'm doing this. I really love to to highlight the women trans and non-binary creators in the Web3 space, especially in the NFT realm of that space, and um, give us a space to to chat just one-on-one. Usually ends up being artist to artist, but I have interviewed some founders and collectors and uh, technical creatives as well. So yeah, but yeah, Amber, please introduce yourself. Let us know who you are and maybe yeah. also your pronouns, where you're located, stuff like that. Yeah. Um, first off, thank you so much for having me. This is awesome. My name is Amber Vittoria. My pronouns are she, her. I live and work in New York City, uh, not for much longer. At the end of the year, we're moving out to Los Angeles for some better weather and Life change. My partner and I are both East Coasters, so <laughs> very excited to become West Coasters. Um, I'm an artist and poet, and um, you could probably hear New York City in the background. <laughs> um, but my work is abstract, and it, it aims to celebrate the you know nuances of emotion and being a woman, and um, tries to dig into what those emotions are like. Amazing. Amazing. And yeah, we can definitely hear New York, but that's just very romantic, especially for me on this rainy day. I'm also on the West Coast. I should have said that. I'm Portland, Oregon. Uh, She, her are my pronouns. And um, I don't have the better weather of the West Coast, but I'm excited for you (laughs) to get some. (laughs) I was like, rain. I think it's going to rain here because the hurricane from Florida is creeping its way up. But today it is sunny and it's not too hot. It's awesome. Nice. There's nice. a lot of sirens outside. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that that happens. You're just in one of those uh, those New York cozy movie scenes right now. That's how I play it in my head. So that's good. Uh, awesome. Yes. Artist and poet. That's the thing that I am so excited to talk to you about your book today. 
Um, that's actually, I know how we were connected. I think you were looking for, for some people to, to chat with about the book. So I really want to dig into that. Um, but before we do that, let's, let's give a shout to what you just dropped. And this is pinned up top. You have an addition on today. Is this sold out yet? How's this drop going? It's good. Yeah, it's sold out. Um, about 15 minutes after I dropped it, which I'm very thankful for. Um, this was a piece that I really, truly love. Um, and, uh, I think like a month ago I kind of polled folks in my discord and I was like, who's interested? <laughs> and then when 50 people were like me, I was like, okay, great, let's do it. <laughs> so, um, I minted it and then, um, planned for it to drop today. So that was really exciting. Um, this piece is really special to me here. Let me pull up the poem so I could read it to you it's on my computer. Hold on. Amazing. It's like you read my mind. I was hoping we yes. might get, get a little reading. Awesome. Of course. Here, let me find it. I keep everything in a list that, um, oh, all my poems in a list here. Let me just type it really quick. I need a more organized way to, uh, save my poetry. Okay. So this piece is called Building a Maze. Building a Maze to keep me from myself, stashing the memories of how I truly felt. And I, when I was making this piece, actually halfway through, I was a little concerned about how it was going to turn out. I was like, mm, I don't know, maybe we scratch it and start over. But then that's where the idea came from. It's like, oh, I feel like I do these things to protect myself from the idea of failing in a painting. And I was like, nope, we're going to keep going because that's what this means now. So um, I really do love how it turned out. I think that the balance or the imbalance rather is uh, pretty spot on for what I was trying to explain in that poem. So I really loved how this one, the painting started and formed the poem, which then informed me to keep going in the painting. So it's uh, definitely a special one for me. That's super fun. Yeah, it definitely uh, resonates like everything that you just said, but also like the, it's a favorite one actually visually on my end too. I saw this come through in the timeline and it just like stopped for a few. Uh, Cause yeah, it just, it feels very jumbled, but also concise. And I can feel that tension of you coming and going from it. Um, yeah, yeah, it's beautiful. Makes me so happy. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. And also your hues, like there's such earthy, earthy palette in there, but also very vibrant, you know, uh, palette is also cohesive. So yeah, not easy to do. So thank you. Yeah. Um, most of my palettes are inspired by nature. So obviously the content of my work is inspired by, you know, emotions and being a woman in this world, but the palettes are really inspired by when I do get to go outside into nature. Um, my goal is to see all the national parks in the United States. I've seen about half of them. Part of the reason why we're moving to California because they have a lot more national parks than the East Coast does, which is fine. I'm not judging. Um, I'm just going to move there. Um, so seeing how colors really play against each other in nature and how nature is unapologetic for how it appears like, you know, flowers don't care about their appearance. Um, I want to emulate that in my work. So I try to take those colors and use that to kind of say like, yep, this is how I look. This is how I appear and I'm happy with it. So, um, I'm glad that you noticed that. Yeah. Flowers don't care about their appearance. That's so true. It's such a good reminder. Oh my goodness. There's definitely days where you just like look in the mirror and wow, that self-talk can be like something else. So that's a great, can be rough. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. it's a great reminder. I love that. Okay. Tell me your favorite national park on the East coast then. Cause I'm, I'm making a list. Okay. On the East coast, I would say Acadia national park, which is in Maine. Um, there's also Shenandoah, which is in, I want to say Virginia or West Virginia. We drove there. So mm, one of those two. And then another one, which is newer, uh, it used to be a national river. It's called new river gorge. That's also really beautiful. Um, when we visited, it was just when they switched from um, like a protected river to national park. So I feel like by now it's probably a little more, um, national park, like in terms of like parking and things like that. But, um, those three are uh, my favorite with Acadia being the top. Nice. This is a little too serendipitous for me. It's hilarious. Uh, I've been rewatching the TV series Felicity 
Uh, I don't know. Yeah. I, that's on my list to watch. That's, I haven't. I have so many. <laughs> they were just talking about Acadia National Park in the uh, episode I watched last night. So that's pretty, um, pretty on point. That's sweet. I like it. I haven't been myself, but it's on a list. So good to have a second yes. boat there. Yeah. So the West Coast, um, definitely California. Oh my goodness. I'd say Death Valley is probably like, can't, can't wait. I'm sure you're going to Death Valley in the spring with the bloom. I don't know if you've been there before, but whoa. we went to, yeah, I've been to Death Valley in the winter and that's what we heard too. If you come back in the springtime, that it's really beautiful. So I was like, well, we won't be that far anymore. Yeah. So I'm excited to be able to go back and same thing with like Joshua tree. I've only been to Joshua tree in the winter. So, I mean, obviously you're not trying to go there in the summer, either of those places, but you know, like it'd be nice to see it in the fall and then also in the spring. Um, and, uh, yeah, so I'm excited to have all of those in like closer vicinity to my home versus having to fly across the country. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Well, I'm excited for you. Yeah. I grew up in the Mojave mm-hmm. desert and Joshua tree was literally my backyard. So, um, Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. It's funny though. Like when I was growing up there, like it was people in California would call it like the armpit, you know, like, and now it's just such a hot place to be. <laughs> Like no pun intended. Oh my goodness. <laughs> At least the armpit of New York has not gotten any cooler. It's still Times Square and you avoid it at all costs. Yeah. Unless you're a tourist, then like you got to see it if you're a tourist. I mean, that's what you see in the movies. Love your life. But yeah, yeah. Um, yeah that's sure. funny that in California it changed. Yeah. I mean, like, you know, I, I'd, I'd go to the, the beach and, and play in tournaments and things, you know, in sports and they'd be like, we all friend and we'd be like, oh. You know, the Mojave Desert, and they're like, oh, desert rats. Ugh. Like, if you think of like, Oh, a, that's so mean. I know, like, like a California, yeah. like, high school movie. <laughs> that does sound like, that sounds like the OC or something right there. Yeah. That's super mean. I don't know, like, yeah. lay off. And in New York, I feel like all the suburb, like, suburb schools don't play against city schools just because it's far. Um so we all, I feel like the suburbs of New York all essentially look the same. The further north you go, the colder it gets. That's about it. Yeah, and then there's some yeah. pretty lakes in there. Um, but uh, yeah, Joshua Tree is beautiful. I like probably one of my favorite national parks. I, it's like tough to rank them, but that's definitely up there, I would say, in the list. Awesome. I'm so excited for you. That's, that's so rad. Thanks. So let's, we're already talking about what inspires you. Let's kind of roll in that direction if you don't mind. Um, for sure. We've heard a bit about, you know, like your, your color inspiration, but I'm, I'm really curious too, like, if there are any who's not just what's that inspire you? Like, do you have a, yeah, a top inspiration, I guess that you go to, or is it varied? Yeah, I would say it varies. So for the inspiration of emotion, I would say that I try to dig within myself and my own lived experiences. Also things that I talk through in therapy, um, tend to come out in a lot of my poetry and thus a lot of my paintings. Um, my mom and my dad are both really big inspirations. Uh, earlier in the year, I did an NFT collaboration with my dad, which is really exciting. Um, and both my parents just like have this great emotional capacity that I um, look up to. So to be able to kind of like learn from them and pull from them and put that in my work has been incredible. Uh, when I first started as an artist freelancing full-time, because I freelance and work full-time as an art director and designer for several years, um, my work was a lot more figurative because I really struggled to see myself in fine art and in advertising. So I wanted to draw figures that I could relate to and that I looked up to um, just because I couldn't see them. So I was like, oh, I could draw. I'm going to make these. Um, and then as time went on, the topics I wanted to address within my work became more complex where I felt that they lived outside of the human form. And so that's where that work started to become a lot more abstract. So a lot of it is still figurative in my eyes, but obviously it's not representational of the human form in um, any way, shape or form anymore. But I would say trying to see myself reflected back at me was something that I really struggled with. And I know a lot of people struggle with as well. So hopefully um, my work helps some folks kind of see themselves in some way reflected back to them. Yeah, absolutely. That's a, that's a beautiful thing to know about your art and to understand um, that journey. That's a, that's pretty pivotal. It sounds like, Um, was it, how long were you in that art director designer position like before like that metamorphosis really you know yeah so I 
I graduated in 2012 from BU's College of Fine Arts. I can't believe it's been over slightly over a decade since I graduated college. I was like, woof, that went fast. Um, but I worked full time as a web designer at Victoria's Secret for about a year and a half. Then I worked as a designer promoted to art director at VaynerMedia for about two years. And at that point in time, I knew that I wanted to freelance full time at some point. I was freelancing on the side. It's kind of hard to juggle both. So I took a design job at Avon, which had um, a bit better work life balance of like a proper nine to five job. So in the mornings and the evenings and the weekends, I really pushed into freelancing and using social media to share my work and the stories behind it and get freelance clients. And about a year and a half into Avon, I was able to quit that job and start freelancing full-time, which was the end of 2017. So we're coming up on five years. I could do math. Five years of me working for myself. So, uh, yeah, it's been, that's also been very fast five years. I was like, I just started freelancing. And I'm like, mm, I guess in the grand scheme, you just started freelancing, but not can't really say that in the short term anymore. So um, it's been a really incredible journey. I'm very fortunate to be able to, you know, make my artwork and connect with people through my artwork just because that's how I know how to communicate best. So it's been a pretty incredible last decade. Yeah, I'll say. Yeah. That, I mean, it sounds like to your experience in that art director design space, um, whether freelance or not, has really lent itself to your acceleration, um, the collabs that we're seeing you do all of these things, it's not like they're new to you. You know, it's something that you've kind of had a taste for and an experience with coming into this. Yeah. yeah. And I would say that's been incredibly helpful. Uh, I know a lot of artists have recently like quit their jobs and done art full-time because of Web3. And that's super exciting. Um, but I'm pretty fortunate that I have had the experience and continue to still work with clients just because as Web3 companies kind of start to come in and want to collaborate with artists, kind of felt like two worlds merging and not something that was unfamiliar. Um, I have a lot of artist friends, like, you know, we text each other and things about contracts and offers and things like that. And I think just, you know, trial by error <laughs> over several years of reading a bunch of contracts and what to look out for. We know what you should put boundaries up for, what you can let slide, things like that has been incredibly helpful, um, especially as we enter into this new world and iteration of the internet. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Do you have any, any words of advice in that space? Like anything that's top of mind recently? Like, yeah, yeah. I would say like for freelance work in general, um, it's very rare that you're going to sign away your IP unless they're paying you, like a lot of money. Um, that's why I would say most of the work should be licensed. Like very rarely is it an IP transfer of your work for somebody. Um, that's the first thing. Sometimes like editorial, like a lot of the editorial publications just like do work for hire and like, yes, you get paid a couple hundred bucks, but that's just how editorial works. So that's kind of known. I've learned, um, I don't do as much editorial anymore because my work's so abstract, but, um, with bigger client projects, I would say definitely look out to make sure it's licensing, you know, look out for non-competes, you know, you should be compensated if they don't want you to work with other brands that are similar. Um, I would say in web three, that's more rare though. I would say that majority of the platforms I've collaborated with have been very, um, okay with me collaborating with other, uh, platforms and things within the NFT space, which I hope becomes the trend for the future. So instead of brands taking advantage of and using artists, be like, Hey, look, like we're cool and we gain this like cultural cachet it's more of like no we want to support this artist and help them on their journey so i'm starting to see that shift in web3 um, but anyway back to contracting i would say that if it doesn't feel right to you ask for it to be changed you, contracts can always be changed when i was younger i was like well i want this job i need this job i gotta get paid and i remember my dad would help me look over a lot of contracts and be like no this is ridiculous <laughs> like you have to ask for this to be changed i was like but what if they don't want to work with me he's like then they're not worth working with and that's hard <laughs> when you first start freelancing to have that boundary and that self-confidence because you know you want to get work you're a freelancer you know you don't have a regular paycheck. So I would say that trust your instincts, ask friends if you're unsure about what something looks like and uh, push for what you feel like should be a fair contract and uh, you should be okay. Yeah. Those are, those are brilliant <laughs> pieces of advice. I'm glad we got these, uh, these recorded for people too, cause yeah, <laughs> you've, you've been through it, you know, and to have, have somebody like a, a parent to watching out for you and, and being savvy enough to 
instill that early on is huge. You know, I don't know that everybody gets that. So awesome. I'm glad to hear that. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So tell us a little bit about this, uh, a news announcement that you had this morning. I mean, morning for me, uh, but yeah, your, your collab, what's going on? Yeah. Also morning for me. (laughs) So, um, Samsung and Lowe's approached me earlier in the year. Um, they've done a few collaborations with artists. They have this beautiful refrigerator that you're able to swap in and out panels for, whether they're just blank panels and really pretty colors or artist panels, like the collaboration that I was involved in. Their hope is to really allow aspects of our home that we usually just buy and don't think about personalizing to be able to personalize, which I love because A, not everybody has this space or the finances or the know-how to collect art. And this is a really fun way to be exposed to different artists, but then also to allow for some flexibility and color within a space that you usually don't bring that to. So putting color on appliances is uh, not very done, at least in recent years. I know probably mid-century time kitchens were definitely more colorful, but we've since swayed away from that. So I feel like Samsung's trying to swing back in that way, but allowing the customer to be able to curate their kitchen and swap it in and out as they please. So when they reached out to me about that project, I was like, oh, yes, this is awesome. Um, I wish I had a kitchen big enough for the refrigerator, uh, maybe in California. Um, I know that's definitely a New York City apartment problem. But um, having seen it and seen the ability for people to easily be able to customize their kitchen like they would, you know, a gallery wall in their living room or in their bedroom has been really cool. So um, that was definitely a long time coming. And I was very excited um, that it came out today. So hopefully folks will be able to, if you people that already have that refrigerator probably already know, you could just buy the panels. Um, And then folks that want to um, buy that refrigerator, if they're in the market, they could buy it, you know, I believe with my artist panels or with different colors and then like buy as many panels to keep as they, as they please. So I really love that um, bigger companies like Samsung and Lowe's are supporting and, um, you know, putting some amplification behind artists. Yeah. That's not what I expected to see on my timeline today. (laughs) (laughs) One of my friends texted me because like, I, like she was just like, this is unexpected for you, but I love it. And I was like, is it unexpected though? Cause my whole thing is like, I want my work to be accessible. Yes. A refrigerator is expensive. (laughs) My word, I'm not going to lie about that. Um, our refrigerator died and we have like a tall skinny refrigerator because New York city apartments. And even that I was like, what? this is half a refrigerator and it costs how much? Um, but my whole idea is that like, um, you know, for the longest time and even living in a small apartment, I love art and I have a collection of a lot of small prints and paintings, but you know, I don't have the space to collect all the art that I would love to collect. Um, so this is something that you need. It has utility, but it's also something that now you can make feel like yourself and feel beautiful. So I try to do that as much as I can with brand collaborations, whether it's a shirt or a candle or a pair of sneakers, or in this case, a refrigerator. My hope is that if I can allow people to have different and or more accessible ways to have access to artwork, then um, that's something that I really like to work on. So um, this kind of fell right into that whole ethos of mine. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's, that's rad. It's a very common, you know, problem. I know you keep talking about the New York apartment, but I do live in a house on the West coast and very lucky. I feel like to have been able to buy one in a city before it totally went boom, but it's tiny. Mm-hmm. I've got like a little bungalow and I also have a, I do oh. not have a full time, full size fridge. <laughs> like we didn't realize. So we too. probably have like the same fridge. Is it like yeah. skinny? Yeah. It's like, it has the double doors, but it's like, uh, it, it almost feels like a faux. Like it's like a fake out. Cause like you can't like fit. mini double doors. Yeah. It's little. Doors. Yeah. It's a little guy. Oh, yeah. ours just has one door that that's probably cute. It is. Um, yeah. But yeah, so, you know, you know, small refrigerator for sure uh, problems. Yeah, no, I mean, I have, I have dreams, you know, I see this fridge that your art is on and I'm like, damn. Same. I was like, I want that kitchen. (laughs) (laughs) Not that I cook much. I feel like the, I mean, the thing is like moving to California, our friends that have moved from the East coast to the West coast also, they're like, yeah, you just like start cooking more and enjoying it more. And I was like, what? And it definitely, I think, is a cultural thing because if you watch any of those like architectural digest shows where like they show all the very fancy apartments in New York and all like very fancy houses in Los Angeles. It's funny the like tying theme is like all the New Yorkers, even if they have a kitchen like the size of my apartment, they don't cook. And all the people in California cook. And I was like, so I think it's a 
definitely like a cultural thing. So a lot of my friends said that they're like, yeah, you'll start to enjoy cooking. I'm like, okay, we'll see. We'll see. <laughs> well, don't be, uh, I mean, you're going to LA and that's, there's a lot of good food there to be had. So there is, you're that's what I was saying. Not, yeah. I yeah. was like, ah, I don't feel like other people cook food better than I can. So, uh, we'll see. <laughs> <laughs> Awesome. Well, I'm excited for you and uh, can't wait to see if you get your, your big ass fridge, you know, and your, yeah. your digs. Uh, one day we'll see. Cause I feel like, you know, like uh, Portland and you said you're in Portland, right? Yeah. Yep. Oh, yeah. Um, Portland and like LA, I feel like housewives are similar ish depending on when the homes were built. So they are smaller, which I like. It's like, you know, you don't need a big home unless you've got like, you know, a bunch of people living with you, but um, yeah, we'll see. One yeah. day. Yeah. No, I'm excited. Excited for Thanks. you. Good, good vibes your way that way. Jeez, that was a very you. West Coast thing to say too. Wow. I love it. <laughs> I was just going to say that. I was like, mm -hmm. <laughs> very West Coast, but Ugh. that'll be me one day. I'm right. excited for that. <laughs> nice. Well, you got the color palette for it. So yeah, you're set. Yeah. Um, okay. I want to talk about how you decided to and or found your way to NFTs and Web3. Like what was that spark? What brought you here? Go into that, yeah. if you don't mind. So in 2017, when I quit my full-time job I uh, and went freelance, I also was like, hmm, we're going to put a little bit of money into this cryptocurrency situation because this sounds super interesting and will change the internet. And uh, all my friends made fun of me. They're like, you just flushed the, that money down the drain. And I was like, well, A, it's not that much. And B, I was like, it's money that I don't need to touch for the long haul. So we'll see. Um, and uh, so they all laughed and then it went up and then I laughed and then it went back down and then they laughed again. So and then I kind of forgot about it because the pandemic happened. And um, in early 2021, my partner, Dave, was just like, hey, there are these things called crypto punks. A few of my friends like got one, like maybe we can you know, get one. And I was like, Oh my God, they're so cute. I'm thinking they're like $10. I was like, Oh my God, let's buy a bunch. I was like, I want this one. I want this one. This one's cool. And uh, he's like, Ugh. <laughs> they're a lot more than that. And I think at the time it was like 15 ETH. I'll have to ask Dave, but we split it. And, um, it, we were is pre vaccine in New York city. Our parents live within the tri-state area. And usually we just take like mass transit to see them, the bus to Dave's parents or the Metro North to my parents. But with the pandemic and them being older and me being high risk and them being higher risk, we were like, mm, we were renting cars to drive to see them, you know, safely, especially when it's nicer out. So we were like, mm, we're paying all this money for a car. We should just buy a car. And um, so he told me about these crypto punks and I was like, mm, it's the car or the crypto punk really. And then I think that weekend, they announced like vaccines were coming to New York state. And I was like, okay, well, I guess we'll get this punk thing. And worst case scenario is the worst decision we've ever made. And we have this cute looking thing that looks like a punk. So Dave picked out the one that looked most punk like. Um, so it's got like uh, sunglasses and like cute, like earring and like red lip and like a mohawk. And um, so, yeah, we're, I don't know if we'll ever sell it, but that's how I was introduced to NFTs. And then, I started noticing and seeing articles of artists selling their work on the blockchain. It's like, well, this is amazing, especially for folks that, you know, um, I've had a few people that follow me on Instagram say like, I've always wanted to buy something from you, but like, I'm nomadic. I don't have a permanent home. And thus, you know, I enjoy your work. I would love to like support you. So I was like, hmm, this could be interesting, you know, as people become, you know, um, less permanent in one place. I feel like that's definitely a trend, especially since the pandemic. Um, this could be a cool way for people to collect and support artwork and have it live digitally instead of live in their physical lives. So I started to sell a few pieces. It was really expensive to mint. And um, I was lucky to sell a few. But after a while, I was like, it's like $500 to mint one. I can't afford to do that all the time. You know, I'm a freelancer in a pandemic and it's a pretty male dominated space and my work celebrates women's so not too sure how that's going to land. So that financial risk and then the risk of it not landing with people at risk reward, I was like, mm, it's kind of tough. So I paused for a little bit and then I started to kind of lurk and study what other artists were doing. And that's how I learned about OpenSea and about lazy minting and removing that financial barrier really lessened the risk. It's like, well, worst case scenario, if I mint it, no one buys it. It's not the end of the world. I'm not spending hundreds of dollars to mint it. Um, so I started to make work on OpenSea and sell it that way. And then 
people did resonate with it and uh, it's been pretty life-changing ever since. So I'm very grateful for, um, for this space. Amazing. Yeah. That's, um, that's a really good perspective to put on things too, to remind, remind us all of where we've been, uh, with like, yeah, minting was, was absolutely extraordinary. Right. Yeah. I minted price. like one piece the other day and it was like $3. Yeah. I was like, where was this in 2021? <laughs> oh, $500 a mint. It was nuts. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, lazy minting, like I get, I get why we've all transitioned to own contracts and we're moving away from that. And I'm all for the technical yes. reasoning, like hundred percent. Uh, but and I in, did that too. Yeah. Yeah, nice. it's a great, it like removes a lot of barrier to entry. Obviously, uh, gas user a lot less now. I'd say shortly after when I was like, okay, this is doing well. I can now do manifold and like do things on my own contract and have ownership. But um, that was, I don't think without that, I don't know if I would have ever entered the space just because of that, you know, barrier. So I'm very fortunate that uh, that, that even existed or still exists. Yeah. Yeah. The toe in the water type of scenario with that entry point was super helpful, I think, for a lot of a lot of us. So that's cool to that's cool to hear. And that crypto punk, you know. Wow. Congrats on uh, being a part of the the punk uh, cohort. Um, Thanks. Yeah, it's a rad one. I've seen it. I think I when you put it up, I was like, what the that's a rad one. You all y'all have yeah, good taste. Cool. <laughs> Thanks. I'll tell you. <laughs> Yeah, no, that's uh, that's fun. Is this so your most recent piece of edition that's pinned up top there? Also, anybody who's listening live um, up top, we've got multiple pins. If you just come in the room, the collab that we were talking about is pinned up there as well as Amber's book, which we're going to talk about in just a second. Um, but yeah, this edition that's also just come out today that is on your manifold contract those are individually numbered mm -hmm. is that right yeah so manifold is great because when you put together something for an addition they'll automatically number it for you so you're not going through and minting 50 and having to number it all on your own you put up the artwork you put in the description and all the details you want to add and then at the end before you mint to test network excuse me it'll say um how many do you want to mint and then that's when it will make an addition. So uh, it's been pretty fantastic. Uh, I really do love Manifold. I feel like it makes it so easy. Um, so yeah, it's, uh, that's how I'm able to do additions without having to do it 50 times. <laughs> yeah, yeah. On the you're, you're on a 721 ERC 721 when you do that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, nice. yeah. And they also offer, I think, 1155 too for folks like I know it's kind of torn. I have a background in printmaking, so I do enjoy the addition numbers. Um, I do think within the web three space, there might be a fun difference for like unnumbered editions. So something like an 1155 contract where it's one product page essentially with art and then you sell 50 of them and there's no number um, versus ones that are numbered. I think it might be similar to like limited edition versus open edition. If you're talking printmaking terms, I think that this kind of allows for a new level of having a difference between editions in terms of folks that like to collect those things and, you know, um, like the idea of rarity and the difference between them. So, um, yeah, for now I like the 721. I think an 1155 is also an interesting approach too. Yeah. Yeah. That's, um, I love the, the printmaking nod there. Yeah. I think about it similarly too. I just did an open and I was sad though, cause I did a claim page and it didn't number them. So if you do like a no end, um, an, an open ended mint on a claim page on a 721, they aren't numbered. And that was the only caveat that I was like, damn, but, uh, yeah. If you do them and it's a set when you mint it, it definitely it numbers them. So that's cool. Yeah. I want to uh talk about your book. I'm really excited for for this read. Oh yeah, I haven't I haven't nice. aped in yet, but I definitely want to pick pick some up. There's <laughs> no rush. I like it's funny because I emailed my publisher and I was like in August and it's like, hey, like you're not planning like a thing, like with NFTs, like when do the pre-orders go up? And she's like, They're up. And I was like, What? <laughs> <laughs> so I was like, Okay, I guess I gotta plan a lot faster. Um, so I just tweeted out that day. I was just too excited. I was like, My book's available for pre-order go you could even google it order it at any bookstore um but yeah i'm really excited for it yeah this is um 
I'm excited by the, with the tie-in that you're doing too. You know, talk, talk us through it. I won't butcher it because you this is your this is your jam here. But I know that you have a book of poetry coming out that you're doing something here with like picking up one versus ten and the pre-order. Yeah, yeah. So tell us about it. So very inspired by Gary Vaynerchuk, who um, I used to work for when I worked at VaynerMedia, not directly for. You know what I mean? I worked at Vayner um, because there are people that work directly for Gary. There is a difference. Um, But anyway, uh, I this is my first book that I've published. I've had the fortune of being able to illustrate for other authors uh, for a few books in the past. But it's always been a goal of mine to write my own book. Uh, Dating myself as a 90s kid, I would our first grade teachers would have parents come in and we would quote unquote, write books that were essentially templated. And then they would do an about the author, which one of them said, when I grow up, I want to be an artist, which I still have. And uh, they would spiral bound the book, we would get to illustrate them, and then we'd have a book. And I remember thinking, I want to do this as an adult one day. And so here I am, I don't know how old you are in first grade, but almost 30 years later, um, having a book published, which is exciting. So this book is called These Are My Big Girl Pants. And they're poems and paintings inspired by womanhood and of coming of age or kind of re-becoming the new version of yourself. I feel that um, we always put the emphasis on evolution in our lives when we're younger, when you're going from a child to a teenager, a teenager to adult. But then when you hit adulthood, it kind of story-wise becomes this monolith. And I feel like we reinvent ourselves for whatever reasons as we grow older. And so this book really speaks to that. When I was working on it, it didn't have the intention of the artwork doing that as well. But in hindsight, this artwork really starts to show that experimentation and transition from my figurative work to my abstract work. So I worked on this a little over a year ago and to really start to see how my mind was starting to shift from one to the other is really exciting now that I've had a year of doing um, the work that I've been doing now under my belt. Um, and so I really love that the book itself is me going through that transition in the fact that it also speaks to that. So even though that wasn't intentional, it's nice that there is that parallel. Um, so I'm really excited about it. And then for to the pre-order part, pre-orders are really important for authors, especially first time authors, because it shows publishers that they would want to option a second book from you and publish a second book from you um, because that there is an audience and a want for the work that you make. So all pre-orders boil into first week sales. That's why they're so important because you could have people order them over a period of months and all those count for that first week, uh, which is exciting and also terrifying. Hopefully we could disrupt that in the future, but for now. Um, so what I'm doing is folks that pre-order a book and um, put their name into the Google form that is pinned in my tweet, um, they'll be entered into a raffle for a one-of-one which comes with a painting and then folks that pre-order 10 will be airdropped an NFT edition, which is the animated version of that one of one. Um, right now the edition size is about 20, 20 people have pre-ordered 10 books, which is exciting. Um, then have put it into the form. I have to continually remind people to do that. <laughs> um, so I'm, I'm excited. Hopefully it'll help uh, me get a second book. Amazing. Yeah. I did not realize all of that background. It makes sadly total sense. <laughs> That's the the metric they would, uh, well, one of the metrics they would measure, you know, uh, against for, for your future as an author, <laughs> just kind of a bummer. Um, I know that's illuminating and overall just like really exciting. I love the, the concept, um, tie in there, like your ethos, but also that, you know, transition that metamorphosis we were talking about earlier. I'm really excited. Yeah, this will be this will be fun to spend some time with and to gift to people. I have a handful of people I can already think of that they're going to make great Christmas yes. presents. So yeah, yes, I'm so excited. I um, they sent me one copy. I had to ship to my parents because packages get stolen pretty easily in New York City. Um, and I was like, this is one that I don't want stolen. Other stuff, eh, okay, I could get it replaced. But this I was like, no, I, I don't want this to be replaced. So when I get going to see my parents this weekend, 
I'm going to get the book from them and then I'm going to do some like video, like reels, TikToks, and I'll also post them on Twitter of me reading some of the poems um, from the book and sharing some of the paintings from it. So I'm really excited. A, to also see it in person. Like, I feel like I keep forgetting that I wrote this book. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. It comes out soon. Um, but once I think I have the physical, I think it'll feel real. Absolutely. Oh, my goodness. This, uh, I mean, and you make, let's not gloss over too. Like we haven't really talked about how you make your art, but is it all physical? I don't think so. You do some digital as well. Yeah. So I do both. Um, That's a great point. So when I first started selling my NFTs, the first few were physical and people were like, "Mm, I don't really want to give you my mailing address. And I was like, what? Okay, sure. Um, In hindsight, it makes a lot of sense. A lot of people are anonymous. I understand. Um, So a lot of my work after my pause and studying of other artists the first pieces I did on OpenSea were all digital. Um, so I go between digital and painting, depending. Usually pre-NFTs was if a client requested something digitally, so it's easier to print on a garment or for an out-of-home ad, I would do digital. And if the client didn't care, I would do something that was more physical. So when I entered into NFTs, the digital work became more of like my fine art, personal art as well. Um, so the this book has a combination of paintings and of digital paintings. So I'm excited. That's awesome. Yeah, that's, I'm excited. (laughs) It's going to be very cool. Did I see you too? You do a, there's a a series that you do. I think it was on Rarible. It's like smiley faces. Did I see you're doing a part two of that? Is that digital? My God. Um, so I'm not doing a part two of the smiley faces, um, but I do love those there. I want to like, I should do like a streetwear line or like a patch collection of those. That's kind of where, that's my goal with that one day. It's one of those back pocket ideas. Um, but that dropped on rare ball earlier in the year. Like I was say, like at the top of the year, um, I'm doing a collection of digital drawings. Um, I'm going to be traveling over on and off over the next few months and, Traveling with paint is annoying. (laughs) So sometimes they throw out your paint, which is not very nice. Um, so I just usually just bring a sketchbook and do digital work when I'm not home. Um, so this is a collection that I'm working on. It's called Untitled as a poem to it too. I can read and let me scroll to it on my computer. Um, so it's called Untitled, Unlabeled, Morphing as I'm Able. And it's pretty loose. I don't know how many pieces it's going to be. So I'm just kind of making them and when it feels done, it'll feel done and. Once it's done, then I'll figure out the whole drop aspect of it. But I'm not envisioning that happening for a few months, maybe the end of the year, maybe the beginning of next year. But um, so, yeah, that's another digital collection, but not of smiley faces. Now that you say that, though, I really want to revisit and do more smileys just because I feel like something so simply as like an emoji, especially a smiley face emoji can evoke so many different emotions. And that was the initial inspiration for that collection. So, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, the smiley Smiley is timeless. <laughs> Agreed. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my goodness. I want to know where you're headed, what you're manifesting for yourself. We hear a bit about your immediate future, like, you know, in the early next year, but tell us like, you know, longer, longer game. What are you, um, what are you creating? Yeah. My hope is like, I just read the seven spiritual laws of success by Deepak Chopra and, um, I really like when he says like plant seeds in the gap, which is like this part of your existence that's not verbal. That's like the part, place you go when you meditate kind of. I definitely just butchered that. So sorry. <laughs> but I would say that the seeds that I'm planting are just to be able to slow down a little bit and make work that is bigger and more time intensive. And even though my work is very thoughtful, like even more thoughtful for me um, to be able to write another book that um, digs into that a little bit more uh, to be in national parks more, which will definitely happen. So check (laughs) Um, just to be able to make work that, you know, evolves as I evolve as a person and to not really worry too much about having that work be commercially viable. I think as a commercial artist, um, especially before Web3, that would be the biggest fear. Be like, well, if this isn't commercially viable, then we don't have a job. And um, I hope that I get to a place where that becomes less and less of a worry. Absolutely. Yeah, that totally makes sense. And uh, it's nice to know that that's what you're planting for yourself. I'll hold space for that as well. I think, mm. I think yeah, it's something that 
all of us deserve <laughs> at a base level. Um, but yeah, I'm excited, excited for you and to, to see that happen. That's awesome. What's, uh, what's one thing everyone should know about you? Anything top of mind? I would say that if you ever invite me over for a dinner party, I'm allergic to a lot of stuff. Sorry. <laughs> um, so I was like, I have a, a nut allergy. I'm also allergic to pitted fruits, apples, and pears. They're all adult onset. And it's definitely played into a lot of anxiety that I've had uh, just because you go from being able to eat everything to not. Yeah. Um, so that's something that I always like to share just because, um, you know, going to the hospital a bunch of times because you ate something that you ate the other day and was fine eating is uh, definitely a trip. So, um, yeah, I like to tell, share that with people. Yeah, no, that's um, a very important one. And it, it dovetails right into the uh, the question I'll ask first during our, our rapid question round. But yeah, also, I realized I laughed at that and I wasn't like that. <laughs> <laughs> no, I laugh at it all the time. Like Dan, oh. every time I go out to eat, like it's funny. Like one um, server, she was just like, "Wow, that's awful," and I was like, "Thanks." Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and she's like, "You've never eaten those things?" I'm like, "No, I, I have." I was like, "But I can't anymore for now." Um, but yeah, it's always funny to hear people's reactions. Usually, I laugh. I used to be very apologetic about it before, like "Sorry," and I'm like, "Why am I apologizing? It's yeah. not my fault." Well, I get in theory, it is my physical fault but like not my fault um so i like to laugh too because i'm like yeah i'm allergic to everything apparently (laughs) man i hope that um there there's nothing to add to the list as the years go on let's just cap it there you know yeah Yeah. exactly well before we go into to rapid uh question round which is totally uh it's easy there's nothing crazy in here um i'll open up the stage too if anybody wants to come up and and ask amber questions feel free to request. Uh, also, I like to extend if nobody's ever been on a Twitter space stage before, you're just, you know, trying to warm yourself up to what it feels like, feel free to request. Um, I will not hold your feet to the fire and, and force you to, to speak by any means, but, uh, that's, that's a, I know it's a stressful thing to do for your first time. So feel free to request now if you want to. And, um, meanwhile, while we see if, if anybody's gonna join us up here, I will jump into a question that I usually start the space with and I just forgot because I was so excited to just start chatting. Um, (laughs) Actually, yeah, I I really love to know. I'd love to meet you in person someday and be able to, you know, buy you a beverage, you know, just have a a nice chat. What would that be? What would you uh, what would you order? Mm, Depending on where we are, I would probably say coffee. (laughs) Uh, If it's warm out, I just usually get cold blue or if it's colder out i just get coffee black i'm allergic to all the milks essentially so that's what i get coffee wise we're going out for drinks um sometimes alcohol will trigger my migraines so usually i'll stick with water or diet soda which is probably not great for my migraines either but (laughs) it's fine (laughs) or red wine if i'm like ah we're feeling fine. We haven't had a migraine in a few weeks. Let's yeah. do it. It's all like red wine. <laughs> nice. Nice. I know. Um, if you ever come up to Portland, let me know. Cause we've got, Oh my goodness. So much good coffee and places yes, for some do. good like, biodynamic wine. Oh my goodness. Like yeah. biodynamic wine. What is oh, that? Yeah. Also called natural wine. Uh, less oh, okay. yes, I know what yeah, that is. all these things. Anyway, best way to That's drink awesome. wine in my, my humble opinion, but yeah. Awesome. Ooh. I'm in good company then. We will we will make that happen someday. Yes. All right. So first rapid question. What's your, uh, this is such a good one for you. I'm excited. What's your favorite color? Uh, I, I, I give horrible rapid questions because I talk forever. So sorry. Um, I would say changes depending on the day. Today is a cerulean blue. Mm, that's a like good. in the devil's wear, the devil wears Prada. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good callback. Oh, I need to, maybe I'll watch that movie this afternoon. It's a good call. I watch it like at least once a year. It's a problem. Yeah. <laughs> That's nice. All right. What's your favorite season? Uh, fall. I like them all for fall. All right. Uh, additions or one of ones? Mm, additions. Discord or Twitter? Twitter. Sorry, Discord. 
<laughs> I don't know that I've ever had anybody answer Discord. Like, I really don't. I'm waiting for the day. <laughs> I'll have to go back and check myself on that, but yeah. Um, physical or digital? Mm, physical. Super rare or open sea? Open sea. You can use one piece of equipment for the rest of your life to create. What is it? Squeegee. Squeegee. <laughs> That's what I use now. <laughs> you know maker of me that's the best that's uh <laughs> the most non-technical perfect answer i've gotten uh, people amazing. are like what do you call it i was like a squeegee i don't know what else you would call it <laughs> no, i just mean uh, like, there's every- definitely <laughs> people like fancy paintbrushes and like yeah what i know <laughs> well, i just i love it speaks to your your nature like what you love to do because so many people are like you know computer iphone you know and you're like squeegee those would also be helpful <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah, that, those are also necessary, but that's fine. <laughs> yeah, no, that's awesome. Uh, I'll pause here. I have a couple left, but if anybody wants to ask a question, you can jump on stage, feel free. You know, like you can round out the rapid question set. We can learn more about squeegees and paintbrushes. So, yeah. <laughs> um, okay, you could collect one piece of art from any time, you know, on the timeline. No price limit. What would it be? Mm, that is tough one piece of art i would say probably something from oh god this is really tough i don't know a bunch of things are popping in my mind um, i would say something probably from joan miro or um yeah some painting from them. That would be nice. The other one that popped in my mind was George Kondo, something from Georgia O'Keeffe, something from Basquiat. If we're, if we're living in riches, we'll get all these things. <laughs> um, but, you know, uh, but then also the work that I've already collected from artists in this space, too. Um, I have a few wallets, so I need to like come up with a list that people could just see who I've collected from because it all lived in one wallet. And I was like, this is dangerous. <laughs> so now yeah. I have it in multiple wallets which is not easy for people to lurk but safer for me so yeah, yeah. you gotta get an on cyber setup with your multiple wallets yeah i do that's smart i need to maybe i do that when uh over like christmas break or something i'll be like oh, i'm gonna make a gallery <laughs> i'm that's gonna take really a break smart. and work really hard <laughs> <laughs> i know i'll be like oh god like as i'm moving into a new apartment i'm like i gotta decorate my digital space and my physical space <laughs> at the same time <laughs> Mm, the we'll we'll wait we'll continue to lurk in your wallets just take your just take yeah. your break it's all good <laughs> <laughs> awesome those are um those are great answers there's never a wrong answer mm-hmm. it's just uh cool to hear uh a couple left here roadmap or no roadmap uh for artists your existence is essentially the roadmap uh for projects uh i don't know if you need a roadmap i just think that you have to you know, prove that what you're doing is worthwhile. What but if, I'm not a project, so what do I know? <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, what if you're an artist who has a project and also non-project art? Oh, God. If you're an artist with a project, bless, because that is <laughs> rough. I like, I know, like, you know, you, I, I've bought a few artist-driven projects. And when I bought them, I was like, oh, this is nice. This is just a very accessible, like one of one of 10,000 edition, non-edition situation uh, before like projects had roadmaps and stuff. And then when projects began to have roadmaps and build that way, um, I was like, oh gosh, I'm so happy that I did not do that. I mean, not that I would even know what my artwork would look like in that way, but um, artists that have projects, like I think as the artist evolves, I view it as just one massive collection from an artist that's thematic other people don't view it that way so i feel for them artists that don't have projects i definitely think it's just you know release work when it feels right for you um it could be mine's usually curated by an overarching theme if it's like a one of one of x uh, usually my additions or my one of ones aren't by an overarching theme um so i think that you have to kind of listen to what makes the most sense for you Absolutely. Yeah. <clears throat> Excuse me. I really dug into that. That was not a rapid question at all. <laughs> <laughs> thanks okay. for, yeah, thanks for going into it. I'm really curious, you know, I think it's a, 
it can be a really con contested subject, especially amongst collectors and things. And it can be a very I dangerous know. thing for artists to over rotate and listen to collectors too much. And I'm a curious process it, dork. So I like to know. And yeah, anyway. it's so true. And that was something that happened to me in the beginning. Like a lot of people will feel like they are entitled to give you advice because they've collected a work for years, which is fine. Usually it comes from a good place. Sometimes it comes from a selfish place because they want to see their bags pump. Mm. Um, but you have to remember that you are the decision maker and you have to do what feels right for you. And nine times out of 10, it's going to work out fine because you know yourself and your work best and other people will follow suit. Um, so sometimes yeah. it takes a little boundary setting with folks. Um, but I'd say after you set those initial boundaries about what your intentions are with your work, it's usually smoother-ish sailing. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. What are these bags you're talking about? Bags and <laughs> I know. It's a term, oh, <laughs> but like, especially the beginning when I started selling my work, the collection of letters for my alphabet and people were like, you should make t-shirts out of them and you should do this and you should do that. I was like, thank you so much for your thoughts. I'll take it into consideration. And I'm like, mm, we're going to pass on that idea. Um, <laughs> but usually it's like comes with good intention. Um, but I would say that, you know, as long as you set clear boundaries for yourself, then you're okay. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay, we've come to my last question. Nobody's gotten on stage, which is totally fine. Uh, but last call, last call, because we're going to let Amber continue on with her super exciting day. She's probably going to drop another piece of art and another promo and another book in the next no. three hours. So. <laughs> no, my God, no. <laughs> I know all these things come out at the same time, and you're like, well, it is what it is. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, what's your favorite emoji? Um, I hold on. Let's see if I could close out my Twitter and I could tell you because it ranks them. <laughs> Give me a second for this answer. Yeah, hold on. The most one that I use is the smiley face with the three hearts around it. Mm, nice. Nice. Yeah. But would you say that's your favorite? Do you feel it inside you as your favorite? Yeah, because that's usually how I'm like, hmm, thanks. <laughs> Right. When I respond to people, that's that's that emotion. The other one is like the Italian hands one. That's a newer one. I mean, I don't know if it's Italian, but I'm Italian and I do that. You know, like the like cupped hand situation. I'm doing it with my hands and it's not making any sense. Like heart? Um, like a cupped heart? No. Like, wait. No, Italian it's like. Hands. It's like when you kind of like my grandma always used to do, she'd be like, hey, Costa Fai. Like, what are you doing? And it's like you kind of like put your hands together. Um, I wish I could share it on this thing, but yeah, anyway, it's new and I'm two newish. seconds from Googling Italian hands and I'm going to stop <laughs> I myself. Talk. Will it work? Uh, I'll do it for you. <laughs> Let me see Italian. It definitely means different things in different cultures, which is why I think that they made it. So look at all this, like, you know, crosses the board. It's called pinched fingers emoji. That's what it's called. Oh, got it. Okay. Like, like, like so like so good like mwah. like kind of like chef's yeah, kiss yeah. but not you know kind of it could also be a negative thing if you're yeah. getting yelled at <laughs> fine in italian that sounds triggering not like a Person, favorite yeah. okay no 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 it's great no 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 no. <laughs> it usually is like out of love like why are you drawing on my walls and you're like oops <laughs> you know one of those but yeah that's another favorite of mine um but yeah i was reading some article about like how in different cultures it means different things which is cool um so i'm glad that that became an emoji too because it's very me yeah. i talk with my hands a lot no that's that's awesome uh this has been super illuminating i love it so many good <laughs> so many good things uh all right well what do you have for us anything else anything we didn't cover that you just you really want to chat about or, or share with us no, thank you so much for having me. This was awesome. I think that's all the things that I can share. <laughs> I always hate, I feel bad. Like, I feel like in this space, artists like working on big stuff. And I hate doing that, but then I do it anyway. And then it's like a year comes out. I'm like, remember that thing I told you is a big thing? Here it is a year <laughs> later. <laughs> um, but no, that's everything. Thank you so much for having me. This was really cool. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I'm glad that you, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, sorry. I'm glad you put out the the bat signal and that uh, Christina, Christina pinged you. Because, yeah, curating these things, I just, I go into my little, my little hole and I get distracted. And um, 
Yeah, it was awesome. I was like, oh, yeah, Amber, hell yeah. Let's, yeah. let's chat. It's going to be so fun. Also, if you have anybody, you know, em- emerging artists, absolutely welcome. Established artists, absolutely welcome. This is yeah. the full gamut, so feel free to ping recommendations my way anytime. I would say, actually, one of them is in here. Um, his name is Jackson. Um, uh, remind me, I'll DM you his uh, handle. Amazing. Amazing. Also, hi, Jackson. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Thank you again, everybody who's here uh, listening live. This is, you know, I don't take it for granted. You know, this is a, a very nerve wracking, but fun thing that I like to treat myself to <laughs> put myself through periodically. <laughs> um, but yeah, having people listen live is, uh, is, is huge. It's really fun um, to see familiar faces and new faces, meet people through my guests. So yeah, thanks for being here. And if you like this, you know, there's more. Go listen. There's there's plenty other 20-something previous interviews uh, with brilliant, brilliant talents uh, from this space. So, yeah, follow along. And I think the next one is coming up in a couple weeks. I'll be talking with Emil, who is an amazing uh, trans artist, photographer, collage artist um, in the space. So keep an eye out for that. And, yeah, again, Ooh. Amber, thank you for being here. Thanks for your time. Yeah, of course. Thanks for having me. All right. Take care, everybody. I'll send us out with some tunes and have an amazing weekend when you get there. Take care. <laughs>